Welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Hype. And I'm Chelsea Duff. And this week we are joined by our special spooky friend and number one fan, um, Rebecca. Would you like to introduce yourself? It's me. I'm Rebecca. I'm here. <laughs> oh my god, in the flesh. I mean, it's not me. actually in the flesh. We're doing this remotely, but as in close as we screen. can get. <laughs> In the screen. In podcast world, I am here living my wildest dream. Yeah, um, Rebecca went to high school with me and Monica, so we go mm-hmm. way back. She's part of our OG spooky crew where we watch movies every week. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca and I went to school together since kindergarten, so we go all the way all the back way. all, the, all way. the way this is my second screen time with Rebecca mm-hmm. <laughs> it is nice to see your face. But you're like so tight with her after after almost a year of watching scary movies so mm-hmm. I mean basically we're all very close here mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. um but Rebecca has um her own little spooky doll of herself at home so we knew that she had to join us for an episode of doll month Um, She picked this movie because it was one she hadn't seen yet. Little did we know that it would be so good to have Rebecca on for this movie in particular. We're doing Magic 1978 with Anthony Hopkins. Um, Rebecca also has studied social work. And like it turns out this movie really needs um, a psychological perspective. And so we are so grateful and honored to have a professional in our midst. Truly, thank thank God. Truly. (laughs) It is an honor to be here as your resident licensed clinical social worker um, and spooky by blood member. Yeah, I mean, do you want to... Before we before we get into the movie, do you want to tell us about your haunted doll just for a second? Sure. So for some context, uh, my father is a special effects makeup artist. So I um, have a lot of odd things in my home that I was raised <laughs> with uh, for that cool reason. Um, shrunken cool. heads, in my opinion, you know. Very cool. Yes, shrunken heads human brains the human brain is a big the normal things that you have in your house (laughs) everyone Um, has one i mean everyone's got a couple human brains just usually inside inside of a skull you know yeah yeah exactly that is true that is true um one of the weird things that i have in my house is a replica of myself um also of my (laughs) sister at age approximately five when I uh, was a, a flower girl at my parents' not wedding, what is it called when they when they renew their vows? When renewal they renew their vows. vows. Yeah. I almost said annulment. Not <laughs> renewal. It's switch the words. We got yes. there. Look at us. So for some reason, I probably should have asked my dad before this, but for some reason, they took that image of me and my sister and made it into life-size dolls 
<laughs> just lived in our living room that were wearing the clothes that we wore. That, ah, yes. Yeah, that look like us. Um, you know so how not, parents do. You know, normal things that happen uh-huh. to every family. Um, so I do, I do have a doll of myself. Is Which is what I always it, wanted, you know. Is it a porcelain doll? Is it? No, it's, I'm not 100% sure of the material. It looks to be soft, kind of like House of Wax vibes. Is it a wax like figure you just, of you? It is oh not. Oh my god. I can promise Wait. you it is not my twin that was then covered in <laughs> wax. <laughs> That's good. As adorable as you were at age five, mm-hmm. we have seen pictures of this doll, and yes. I can say it is—it was a cursed image. Yeah, it's, it's um, big spooky vibe. One hundred percent. I'm sure your dad did a really good job with the recreation, um, but it is not an endearing little figure. It is—it mm-hmm. is quite yeah. alarming to look yeah. at. Um, yeah. Not because it, it's yeah. like trying to be scary you know it's just you have a small doll replica it's hard not to have those vibes I guess it's something um, about like the deadness of the eyes and yes. the hair is kind yeah. of funny mm-hmm. yeah I we'll, we'll funny share hair. it on our social media you'll have Please to send us that picture we'll again so everyone can see but Rebecca I have to say that mm-hmm. as someone who shined their brightest at the age of three as a flower girl mm-hmm. in my cousin's wedding mm-hmm. I too wish that I had a life-size doll of myself as the flower girl from that wedding because it was such a great time and I did such a great job. At least that's See, what my mom told me. Um, so I'm really a little jealous. I'm pretty jealous, actually. You can have it. It's- oh, okay. Well, uh, thank you. That's so generous of you to I'll do. I'll it on your doorstep just without worrying. Oh, cool. Cool. Thank That's what I wanted. So good. <laughs> also, um, we do need to talk about the movie. As mentioned, is magic. Um, I'll just give you guys the, the one-line summary plagiarized from IMDb because um, – I'm not going to write my own. This is just a, a movie that's got a, a lot going on. Um, oh, my God. There's so much yeah, yeah, in this movie. Um, and I'm excited to break it all down. But if you haven't seen this movie and you've decided to listen to this episode regardless, um, IMDb says, A ventriloquist is at the mercy of his vicious dummy while he tries to renew a romance with his high school sweetheart, which I do feel does a pretty good job um, of summarizing it, actually. But if you need a little more info, he is Anthony Hopkins, plays this guy, Um and we meet him in the beginning before he... His name is he, Corky. That's an His name is part. Corky. IMDb Trivia said that his full name is Charles something. I don't know if they know that only because this this movie was adapted from a book. Um, and so maybe that information is in the book. I don't think they said it at all in the movie unless there is one scene where the high school sweetheart in question is like flipping through her yearbook. So maybe... It's on the page somewhere, and I just didn't look hard enough. Um, but they really just tell us his name is Corky, and they introduce him in the beginning with, like, his first solo show, mm-hmm. which he majorly flops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we skip to some time later when he's, like, just beginning to be a sensation. Um, and we follow his climb through fame 
And then, um, you know, as you can imagine with, with any haunted doll movie, perhaps it's followed by a fall. Um, you know, like at, at some point, if you have a haunted dog fight, things have to kind of go wrong. This doll, I think you could make an argument that it's haunted. As it turns out, based on the IMDb summary and also from watching the movie, I don't know if they intended for you to be able to make that argument. Yeah. Um, but it is, frankly, death of the author, etc. What is on the screen is what's on the screen. And if something made it in there that you didn't intend, sorry, shit sucks for you. But, like, it's there for me now and I can do what I want. Um, that said, I don't want to dive into that moment just yet. But I'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, so had, had any of us seen this movie before? Did we no. all go in blind? Yeah. That's yeah. clear. Com- That's clear Which- from what the movie turned out to be, <laughs> that we all had none never of us seen knew. And then both you and Rebecca were watching yesterday. Oh, yeah. And you weren't, okay, we decided we were to watch much separately. Synced up. Yeah, because we, just the spirit of the dolls brought us together and we pressed mm-hmm. play at the same moment. Beautiful. Organically, it was wonderful. We kept our so remote controls control. on our heart and we just focused so hard I that we stayed. I just Rebecca, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we made the, the conscious decision not dis- – decision. We made the conscious decision not to watch together so that we wouldn't be, like, having all of our chat while we were watching instead of while we were recording – um, and then you guys were having a, a shared experience that you preserved for me and Sydney by only sending reaction photos of your face and not what you actually thought of the movie. I will say, um, it made me very afraid to watch the movie and I had no idea what I was, what I was yeah. getting into. I and wanted you to only... be prepared for it yeah. to not be something that you're going to be like, yeah, woo! then instead you're gonna be like oh no throughout so yeah my last face was just fully mouth open yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it leaves you just i loved this movie okay (laughs) me too though (laughs) like i like i was doing like there's not that much research on it really Mm -hmm. but i did find out that um, I think why this movie is so unheard of and like didn't maybe get the shine that it should have mm-hmm. was its release day was November 8, 1978. And Halloween opened on October 25th, oh. 1978. And so this came after Halloween during Halloween season. Mm-hmm. And Halloween was just such a like a cultural Mm, like slasher thing that this is definitely more of like a psychological thriller Mm -hmm. slash love story uh the poster says it is a terrifying love story Mm -hmm. and i was like that checks out Mm -hmm. but i think like i think this is an incredibly underrated horror movie from that time period it's it's definitely a slow burn it's not really comparable to modern day horror movies it's very of the times where there's a lot of build-up which makes it fun i actually sydney it's really interesting that you bring that up because i actually thought you were going to reference a different imdb trivia plot point Mm. plot point imdb trivia entry um which is that apparently people compare this movie a lot to 
Dead of Night, which came out in 1945. And they had also done a TV reboot that came out one year before this movie in 1977. Um, So in in terms of doll movies of the time, it seems like this one just didn't get a lot of shine comparatively because some people were like, just watch that movie instead, Mm. um, either the reboot or the original. But I haven't seen that movie, um, so I don't know if it is 1,000 times better. Maybe that is true. Um, I just know that this movie actually was really good, and I liked it a lot, even though it does um, a lot of the same problematic tropes that we find in horror. That said, I am a lot more willing to not pass judgment on um, a harmful trope from the 70s than I am... um, for say the roommate which came out in 2011 yeah, you know what I mean I totally agree with you yeah mm-hmm. I feel like this movie is like a really it's an amazing performance by Anthony Hopkins oh my God, I mean yes. holy shit oh, it, he like he like learned to be a ventriloquist for this yes. shit are you kidding me also one of he my favorite so good he was so good also my immediate thought when I saw him I was like mm, not hot and then immediately I was like hot <laughs> I was like hot and then I was like oh he's so scary the whole time he looks very scary, but I'm still into it. It was another Brad Dorf scenario for me, and it was fine. I was happy okay, with it. In I have the end. a follow up question about that. Please. Uh-huh. Did you find Anthony Hopkins hot because he was so talented, or did you find the character hot? Oh, I just mean him at that age. I cannot be okay. attracted to Corky. Corky. The only Corky. time that he was like charismatic at all was when he was voicing fats and that is an alarming thing yeah. <laughs> i've that never is seen an young thing. anthony hopkins before so Me i neither. was like this is weird like the first time i ever saw him he was already old in silence the lambs mm-hmm. yeah i thought he'd been old his whole life i had no idea that he's he'd ever been Morgan Freeman, this was old their whole lives um, my, when- my first note i took was well mm-hmm. firstly Grandpa Joe has some intense eyebrows, which was Merlin when he was dying in the first scene. I just for some is that actually Grandpa Joe, or is that no, just what you called that? Just because he was laying oh, okay. in bed, it was the first thing that came to my mind. Grandpa Joe. And then the second comment I made to myself was just "Baby Hannibal Lecter." <laughs> Baby Hannibal Lecter. I mean, points are being made. Um, you could also say that Baby Hannibal Lecter is, and forgive me for however this comes out of my mouth, um, Gaspard Yulio. Do you know who I'm talking about? No idea. He is that French actor. He played young Hannibal Uh, in one of the Hannibal sequels. Yes, yes, yes. And also was the fan cast for um, every single Harry Potter character. What back in my Harry Potter fandom days when I was big, <laughs> big in the Harry Potter Marauders era fandom Ooh, in particular. Um, but you know, he got he got a lot of play for a lot of different characters. That's um, funny that that's what your first note was because my first note was brief nudity in all caps with seventy five question marks because the little uh, R rating up at the top came up and said mm-hmm. brief nudity, and then I was so scared of seeing Anthony Hopkins nude. And then we also were scared we were going to see the puppet nude. Mm. And I would have loved to see the puppet nude because the subject of the puppet stick did come up more than once. Multiple times. That was obsessed with his dick that he didn't have, apparently. I mean, that feels on brand for him, though, because they do bill him as the, well, they bill, okay, so we first meet Fats when um, a, a talent agent 
has invited an NBC executive to see this magic show or, or ventriloquist dummy show. Um, and then, then we go backstage and he's like, this is the first X rated puppet on the block. And by on the block, I don't know if he means literally in this area or if he means in the whole world. And I didn't research, um, X rated puppets just because (laughs) I I don't need to, um, to not do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just feel like you, you don't know what's going to come up on Google when you, when you type in X rated puppet, um, (laughs) Feels like some things that are spooky, not in the way that we're spooky. Yeah. Hopefully, um, there's like mostly Avenue Q content, and that's all you really see. But I don't think that's oh. how it would go. Okay, that's, that's paved the way for Avenue Q. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. but that's also paved the way for Annabelle because they have very mm-hmm. similar creepy doll vibes, like mm-hmm. aesthetically. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Say more. I mean, they both have the, like, weirdly curling features. Like, mm-hmm. everything has too many lines on their face, so they look innately old, creepy. Um, also, would like to hear what you guys think about the maybe real human teeth that Fats had. Okay. Because oh, my gosh. <laughs> the those teeth. were real human teeth. The teeth were the scariest part of him. They're so scary. What? They Did look like real his- human teeth. That I was I like, did not notice my teeth. teeth at all. Oh, I have Same. multiple comments about the teeth. That was the scariest part. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, oh, my God. And then there's a part at one point, like, maybe when, when Fats is going extra berserk and his upper lip Just... apparently can move and he bears his top teeth. Oh, my God. Nightmares. Nightmares. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> when that ha- happened, I have a comment. I know exactly when it happened because it says, the puppet's teeth are so fucking scary. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god. Rebecca, we really bonded our souls and mm-hmm. our minds while mm-hmm. watching this. Thank god. Absolutely. I can't believe you didn't notice. I did not notice yeah, any I, of the teeth. Wow. I mean, I have to say, um, while I love to go back and look closely at details, mm-hmm. my brain can only hold so much information at one time. Um, and and so some things just fly right under the radar. Well, it's unexpected. Like when I went back. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to tell you. Um, but, like, I didn't even notice the the Chucky human teeth until I was grabbing screenshots for social, mm. for Child's Play. Um, and it was only then that I really appreciated the, like, progression of of the different puppets they used and, like, and how he evolved to have eyebrows um, and to have, you know, real teeth and kind of how it fluctuated a little bit in the movie. Um but I, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't see the teeth here and I'll, I'll see them later. Cause now I'm going to be on the lookout for sure. And I'm sure I will share them in their own little Instagram post. Um, well, you must, but he was, he was spooky <laughs> enough to me on his own for that puppet. And that's horrible. And like, honestly, just everything about that puppet was so fucked. Like those eyes, the lashes. Well, the they lashes. made it to look like Anthony Hopkins. Oh Yeah. A big, I saw on IMDb where after the puppet was made, mm-hmm. he took it home. Anthony Hopkins oh, like, took it yeah, home yeah. with him so he could like get a feel for the doll. And he called somebody at the studio up and was like hysterical. And he was like, get it out. I hate this fucking puppet. And like they had to come and calm him down. 
Okay, but here's the here's the detail. He was going to throw it into a canyon yeah. if someone yeah. didn't come <laughs> immediately yeah. and get rid of it. So he had like a quirky style freak out about this doll and like can't blame him. It's fucking terrifying. He had the freak out that Corky should have had. Mm-hmm. That is true. This puppet. One. Okay. I, I, I have a lot of questions about how he became a ventriloquist. Corky mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you meet him at the beginning. He's obsessed with magic. He's a card trick man through and mm-hmm. through. Um, and he also has an anger issue that you find out about quite immediately. Yes. Um, but they're like, oh, you need Merlin, Merlin, his dear friend Merlin, the old man with the giant eyebrows, um, who Grandpa is Joe. his sensei, Grandpa Joe, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Merlin, um, like tells him, you need to find the charisma. And so I love that he was like, I need to find my charisma. And for that, I will create a, ventri- a, a horrifying doll version of myself and I'll have him have a personality and I'll still be the same. I just, it's an amazing metamorphosis. <laughs> I'm glad that you said um, I will create this version mm-hmm. of myself because I do think um, that he literally made the puppet himself. We see in the movie he's a whittler. We only really see him make a wooden heart and like some kind of horse-ish figure in a childhood flashback. Um there's no introduction to how the puppet came to be. There's a lot of like time skips in this movie um, where there there's a lot of detail that could be filled in that they're like no you'll you'll get it just fine um which is fine I think it works well I do have questions that I would like answered but it doesn't super matter like who is Merlin by the way Merlin Jr. is his name he's Jr. which means there's a Merlin Mm -hmm. Sr. at some point um presumably the Merlin I would guess right okay yeah did anyone else I don't know if we want to get more into this later but my Uh I Funny enough, as a mental health clinician, my natural inclination when thinking about who FATS is was not like, oh, this is a form of dissociative identity disorder or a delusional disorder. My thought process was, oh, this is Merlin who died and became (gasps) the puppet. Yes! I can't wait! At first, too! Uh Uh I thought it was going to be a possession thing. I was so ready for this to be a freaking possessed puppet freaking movie and that's mm-hmm. gonna be the whole reveal and then no i was like that's why he has human teeth because it's murder <laughs> i yes actually um i am willing to invest in that theory mm-hmm. because the thing is that when i watched this movie there's the scene in the beginning where merlin is being grandpa joe on the couch mm-hmm. Um, and Corky comes in and like puts his hand to his forehead, presumably because Merlin Jr. is not well and he's just being like, how you feeling champ? Um, but he like has his hand on his forehead and then he kind of pulls it away abruptly and there's like a strange sound. And when I watched it the first time, I thought he plucked a hair (laughs) from Merlin Jr. And I was like, whoa, what is that about? And then knowing this is like a spooky doll movie, I was like, oh man, this movie is called Magic. The magic is gonna be that when Merlin Jr. dies, he makes him into the doll using his dna Mm -hmm. from the hair you know i mean i guess it was one of those things like they didn't have that grasp of dna in the 70s so maybe that that was a a guess that was way off base because i don't know that magic anything is possible Mm -hmm. 
And and it's that's always been one of those things where it's like, oh, if you have like a totem or whatever, you you put on a hair or something to be like infused with the person's spirit. I thought that's what this was going to be. And so I kept looking at Fats really closely in every scene to be like, does he ever move when Corky's not mm-hmm. touching him? Yeah. And there is a scene where Fats moves when Corky's not touching mm-hmm. him and his eyes shift um, and they like blink a little. I don't know if his head like shifts slightly, um, but his eyes definitely look around the room when Anthony Hopkins has walked across the room. And then IMDb trivia is just like, that was an accident and they just like liked the shot and they didn't think anybody would notice. And it's like, what do you mean you didn't think anybody would notice? Oh, yes. Nobody. I mean, we did not notice the teeth. So. Fair enough. Um, But also, if it happened by accident, who is manning that puppet? Yeah. I think it it must have been one of those things where it's like they left the eyes looking Mm -hmm. in another direction when Anthony Hopkins pulled his hand away and so it like settled back into place or something like that you know what I mean it settled back into its like resting baseline position or the actual doll that they used in the film or it really was haunted haunted in real life Mm -hmm. that's what I choose to believe Um, why else Anthony Hopkins has been around the block okay he wouldn't just throw any old doll in a can all right so he he recognized something he was up he knew real recognizes real um the thing is that the the director who was like probably nobody will notice he i'm sure he couldn't have anticipated that we would one day have the technology where i could be like hold on let me rewind to just five seconds and <laughs> look again you image. know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, he was like, either you're going to watch this movie in the theater or you're going to watch it on TV later on and it'll just be out of your hands and you'll just have to be gaslit by the fact that that, that's not how the movie goes and you'll just think you made it up. Because there was another moment earlier in the movie where it was like, Fats was so far in the background, but you could see his reflection in a mirror. Mm, And I was like, I don't know that his mouth is moving at all. I think it's not, but I'm not 100% confident. And if this puppet moves again later, I'll know that it was. And then it and then it didn't other than this scene. There's I some... do love all the shots of Fats like in the background yes, and a lot exactly of things. That's exactly what I was going to say. And it's like a spooky ominous presence where he's just like always around. He's always mm-hmm. watching. He has his little arms on the arms of the chair. Oh. <laughs> watching watching yeah there actually um there is a scene and i think it was what prompted rebecca and monica you guys to first send a facial reaction because <laughs> you guys going into the movie had been like haha brief nudity what's that gonna be and then the first time you both sent a picture you were like oh got to the brief nudity mm-hmm. scene um and the nudity in question is Anne margarets boobies yeah. Um, but what is the focal point of that scene really is that it is a, um, love scene between Corky and Peg, but it also cuts back to Fats sitting over in the other room, just chilling this whole time. And it keeps swapping between these two in a way that, that is not like sexually inappropriate but a little bit gave me the same vibes as when Rebecca in The Roommate um, not this Rebecca other Rebecca in the movie The Roommate Leighton Meester is looking at um, the photo of young 
Emily while she's on the bed. Um, and Having just in a way where it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, do not show me that while this is going on. Like, that is not okay. Okay, but this was the funniest part of the movie oh. to me because the music would change every time they showed fat. So it would be like kind of like hot and heavy, like sexy time, like 70s sexy time movie. And then all of a sudden it would like show the puppet and it would just be like... <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I was just dying the entire time. The thing is, why did I watch this movie sober? This is our 420 episode, and I watched it sober. I'm not high now. I'm drinking wine. Like, this really would have been an improved experience, I think, especially I, that. I part. partook in the holiday. Thank God for you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it punched me in the giggle dick, that scene. It was so funny. <laughs> I want to turn up free. But I loved it too. I don't know how to feel. I feel... I feel oh my god. Wow. It punched me in the giggle dick. You gotta trademark that. I love you. Why? Okay, I need to take a moment away from the puppet sex scene because I'm not physically ready or prepared to be involved. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like the puppet was having sex, but, you know, thank God that didn't happen. But can we talk about a safe thing? Let's talk about my best friend, the, the postman, for a second. Uh, <laughs> he was great, actually. He was so good. What's his What's his actual name? Ben Green. Or do you mean the actor? Because uh, that's I not don't Ben know Green. Ben actor. Green's the character. Uh, I mean, the character's name is Ben Green, and he is, like, a star agent for William Morris. Um, now, William Morris Endeavor. Um, and re-watching this movie, like, or re-watching this movie, excuse me. I had never seen this movie before. Watching this movie, like, is the closest I've felt to my old job in a long time because it was, like, agency. <laughs> I work in the music industry, so I was like, this is the biz. And honestly, this man, Ben Green, is there is a man who I work with at my work that is the same man as this man. Like, every characterization <laughs> is the exact same. And he's also Even anciently old. the cigars. The, the, I don't know about the cigars, but the I would glass. not be surprised about the cigars. <laughs> why were his cigars encased in glass, and why did he feel the need to throw them and shatter the glass every time he he's had a, a fancy ass man? He's the postman. They call him that. He's a Rolls Royce man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is a Rolls Royce. Yeah, I mean, he's just a man of fine taste, so he needs his cigars to be in their little protective glass cases but he's also a man of means which means he's like I don't need to recycle these I don't need to save these for later so he just smashes them on the floor um which like, is I'm not gonna have to clean this up <laughs> yeah he's just like we have people for those things you know um so I mean I guess that is is the only excuse I have for that but I just feel that he truly um is is an icon um, and he had a lot of really great lines. And there's one moment when he's like talking to Corky after Corky's like, he's been on Carson or or he's about to be on Carson. Maybe he's he's been on all of these things that we didn't see on screen. We're just left to assume later on. Um, and he's like ready for the big times. And he's meeting with the postman for lunch in New York City. Um, and... It, there's he's like don't be a shit heel like everybody who makes it big turns out to be a shit heel like don't let that be you um and then of course one second later corky starts being 
as far as the postman can tell, a shit heel, Mm -hmm. you know. But then there's this really great line when he, like, walks back to his office where he's like, Sadie, what's the first rule for being an agent? And Sadie says, never forget an actor killed Lincoln. And I was just like, (laughs) amazing, amazing, amazing. Important reminder to have, you know what I mean? No, it's very important. I had forgotten, and so it was a timely reminder for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Never forget. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's also a style icon, incredible suits, a man wearing a fedora who I don't immediately hate or fear. Um, So I love that for him as well. He's got the swagger, and I appreciate that. We do love an old man in a fedora. The only people allowed to wear fedoras, first of all. Mm -hmm. True. I mean, first of all, bottom line, you know, (laughs) like first, last, everything in between. Only old people can wear fedoras. That's just the rule. Old people and Minka Kelly. (laughs) Old people and Minka Kelly. Um, Maybe we should just say old men because anyone with style and desire who's a woman should know she must be wearing a fedora with a feather in her hair. Um, One thing, okay, I'm going to just dive into the meat of this episode or uh, yeah of this episode in this movie now um now that we've dawdled and given you enough time to back out if you've decided wait I want to watch it for myself this sounds great but I'm gonna just pause this episode watch the movie and then finish listening to the episode later that's the right way to do it um but if you have either done that or you've seen the movie or you're like I love spoilers um this this is for you which is to say that the movie does not go the haunted doll route that we discussed. It is not a possession. It is a mental health Crisis. issue. Um, <laughs> yeah, where you can kind of, I mean, obviously there's no diagnosis in the movie. Um, it's not appropriate for us to make a diagnosis. You know, people can guess if they want to um, or be like, seems to me like it's this because he's a fictional character and he can't be harmed by a false diagnosis. Um, that said... It is revealed that um, Corky just, like, is struggling with his his mental health. Um, and there are moments that it's questionable, but there are also moments where they're trying to show us that earlier on. And in one of those moments, um, like, okay, when I mentioned that he was being a shitheel earlier, it's because the postman, Ben Green, who he sometimes calls Gang Green, was like, we're going to get you this pilot and then you're going to have a whole TV show. All you have to do is see one doctor. Mm. And Cork is like, a doctor? I won't do so on principle. Um, which is like, that's weird. You know? Um, I mean, personally, I, I kind of think having to see a doctor a is show. a strange requirement at all. But who knows what things were like in the 70s. Maybe it was like, we don't want you to have some kind of raging drug addiction or something um it's we don't they want don't you... want them to invest all their money into this new up-and-comer and then they die immediately <laughs> i guess yeah i guess they're just like you know studio health insurance we just want to make sure that you are worth putting our money into for however long um but but they're like that's boilerplate like that's non-negotiable so quirky is like then i'll run away um and eventually and they wrong he yeah, i mean know, did lose it very quickly it. <laughs> yeah that's the thing um as it turns out maybe that is actually i feel like probably in today's world um that's like a lawsuit waiting to happen mm-hmm. to ask somebody to to do some kind of 
doctor's appointment before you can have a job offer. Um, that feels like a American Disability Act or HIPAA lawsuit right there. I mean, unless, um, yes. When was HIPAA Although, founded, who can say really? Those are one of those things science just doesn't know, um, and history hasn't recorded it for the ages. Nineteen ninety six. So if you're googling it, oh, well. <laughs> Okay, so like a good 20 years later is is the takeaway. Um, but so he's like, you have to go to a doctor. And he's like, no, I won't. Instead, I will flee fame for the rest of my life. Um, and, and instead he's like, well, career's out. I guess we'll do love next. Let me just haunt down my old flame from high school um, and I'll find her and see if there's anything to go on there. Um, so he does that, but eventually Ben Green is like, oh no, my shining star, my rising star, my money horse, I'm going to go track him down. So he does. And then he's like, so the doctor's thing really is the issue here, huh? And he realizes that this is the issue because the whole fats thing is not just quirky being quirky. Mm. And it's not just quirky being like, I'm shy. Um, and I need this doll to help me express myself. Although I guess you could argue like maybe that's part of where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and where this like fixation on fats came from. But, but he quickly pieces together that like these two things cannot be separate. Um, but I thought that Ben Green in that scene was like incredible and such a yeah. little sweetheart and like so gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was blown away by how well he handled it. But watching that scene, I also wanted to ask you, Rebecca, like professionally speaking, am I like, was that a good thing to do? Or was that a terrible thing to do? Like, how did he handle it? I mean, it's a tricky question to answer because he didn't have confirmation that this was what was going on. He had his suspicion, so he followed up. Um, I, my mentality and the mentality Mm -hmm. of a lot of other mental health clinicians is like meeting someone where they're at. Um, And it has been shown that reality testing is not necessarily a great tactic for someone who is Mm -hmm delusional or having hallucinations so by you're referring to the scene where he's like five minutes without yeah that's talking yeah Yeah. sorry um if you haven't seen and you are just letting us spoil this whole movie for you (laughs) this scene in question is ben green asking corky to go five minutes without fats entering in the conversation just to see if corky is even like capable of doing that or if, if if his identity or his um, interaction with the world around him is so reliant on fats that he can't have fats, the dummy, be quiet just for five minutes sitting in a room. And he he can't do it to the point where, you know, at first he's like just counting 30 seconds and he's like, okay, how much longer? And then it's a minute and he's like, how much longer? And then eventually he's like, you know, this is cruel to do this, right? Which is when you're like, whoa, okay, like, this is not just someone who's reliant on this doll to as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. to get through the world. This is someone who like truly cannot be divorced from this mm-hmm. doll. Yeah, definitely. But it's interesting dependent. too, like when he's with Peggy, he'll be like, you know, with her and not uh-huh. with the doll. Yeah. Like they'll be together for, you know, hours, I'm assuming, and he'll be fine without yeah, the doll. However long they boned for. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, the doll was still there. <laughs> that's true. The, the doll was nearby. Um, but the doll wasn't there when they were doing the magic trick, which we have referenced but not spoken about directly, mm-hmm. which is um, a magic trick to engage telepathy and be able to read each other's minds where basically she picks a card out of the deck and he guesses what card it is. Um, and there's more to it than that. But we'll, we'll let you experience it for yourself. Um, or you just won't, and that's sad for you. Um, but she's but- saying this card trick was so good, it made her just, made her like, I'm going to leave my husband for this <laughs> magic literally- trick. True. But it's not a trick, you guys. It's, um, I love connecting. It is a trick. I mean, it's revealed at the end. It is, in fact, a trick. But, but there's some line that he said it. earlier that made me think of Arrested Development, where he's like, it's not a trick, but he doesn't say illusion. It's an um, illusion. <laughs> But he, what does he say? Does anybody know? No, I didn't write that one no, down. But okay, I feel like oh, well. getting into the, the, the details of this, tri- this trick is... Uh, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. actually important because like before... Oh. No, <laughs> opposite of doesn't I matter. Think it is, <laughs> I think it is because it really shows like... It also shows like how bad of a partner he would be. You don't really know the full extent of like how things are going for Corky at the, at this point in the movie. Like, you have your sus- suspicions that maybe he's a l- little more reliant on fats than one would expect. Um, but in this scene, it just shows how kind of his, his, his like, rage that he has, too, because he's so controlling of Peg. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh my God. I need you. It's like a gaslighty moment. It's terrible. Yeah. He's like, I basically, yes. she, they have two separate decks of cards. And she picks up, like, there's some shuffling that happens, which I love to shuffle. And they're very good at it. Was it. A that very was very satisfying yes. It was a very satisfying shuffle moment. Um, so she picks a card out of her out of her stack and puts it back. And then they switch stacks or something. And he's supposed, and she finds the same card in the other stack and puts it to her heart and has to concentrate it with on it with her whole soul and every inch of her. And so that way he can feel her vibrations and find her card or whatever, which is like, yo, that's a sexual trick. It's very <laughs> sexual. So that's but a vibe. He scre- he's like screaming at her because yes. the first time they do it, mm-hmm. they don't get it right. And in my notes, I they do it twice and the first time he's like screaming in my notes it literally just says Peggy girl talk about a red flag and we all know that I cannot see a red flag when it is so much flag I can see this and then my next note was immediately like yo but what if I just rubbed my head on a guy's hand because after <laughs> she does that, she does that. He does that. Oh, okay. Right after they get the trick right, she he's like, "I didn't fail," which like that was a really disturbing part. Mm, where the reaction sure. was that, and she's, she she gets, gets on, on her knees. knees in front of him and just like rubs her head on his hand like a cat. And I was like, "What if I did that? What? How would a man react?" Well, if he is as sensitive as Corky, he would love it. Um, But that said, you're right. That scene was um, alarming. And and you guys had sent so many face reaction pics. And then you guys were like, send us face reaction pics. And I was like, no. Um, But that moment was one because I was like, don't yell. And so I I felt very strongly. And so I did send a don't yell face reaction pic. And the only other face reaction pic I sent and I'm bringing it up now just because I'm worried it won't come up again organically otherwise um is that there's a line 
where Corky and Fats are talking to Peg. Um, and Peg is like so enamored by this horrible doll whom I hate. Oh, um, who's like this I mean, I guess at this point Corky and Fats have been like all over the TV shows, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So she probably already has seen the doll and and likes the doll and thinks the doll is funny because it's like part of his act and what makes him successful because otherwise I don't know why anybody would be charmed by this pervy little yeah. rude doll. Mere doll um, that stole a human's teeth. I know. But um she's like, "Oh, this doll is cute." And and Fats does not like that and Fats's response is um let me find it oh here it is um she says he's just as cute as he is on the tube and fat says cute virile yes sexy yes ronald reagan is cute and i know this was before ronald reagan's like presidency and so maybe we can excuse it i actually don't know when he became the governor so i don't know if it, it was at all overlappy with that um I'm just going to assume at the time that Ronald Reagan was no more than an actor. And that is what makes this line bearable to me. But also I hate that now we live in a world where this line is about Ronald Reagan, a president that is so relevant still today, <laughs> 40 years later, um, being, being cute. Cause that's just not what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. It's just not what we're doing. And I was, I got to that line and I was like, I can't believe that this is in this movie. And we just had to sit here and hear it with our own ears. Luckily for me, I didn't pick up on that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I missed the teeth. You missed the Ronald Reagan mention. I mean, some of us miss things that are maybe more important than others. But I think all in all here... Clearly, I don't know. I just I still to am shocked. tattoo the script on our body. I don't know. I'm still just shocked because they show his teeth like every second of the entire movie. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just I am. I'm happy um, for you that you didn't have to I feel that fear. I don't I'm know. happy for you. I'm happy for you. It's a good thing. But okay, so Rebecca, you're you're gonna let us know what you thought about um oh that's about right. the Sorry, postman's Rebecca. reaction to. <laughs> And how he handled that whole situation. So so what, what did you think about that? I think if, as a friend and as someone who cares, I thought he did a great job. But if mm-hmm. he, if it was the position of a mental health clinician intervening, that's not how I would intervene. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't, we talk about like stages of change, right? He, he didn't seem to be in a place where he was wanting help at that time. Did he need it? Absolutely. Did he likely need an involuntary psychiatric hold? Yes, 100%. (laughs) I mean, considering where the movie went from that point, yeah, I think it's it's safe to say, yes, danger to himself and others. Correct, both to himself and others. Uh, 51-50, 100%. I thought he was very caring, very patient, but... The reality testing bit, um, I I personally did not think was the most beneficial for him in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I I can imagine reality testing under ideal circumstances mm-hmm. when you are already in a healthcare setting yeah, might go a little differently. Um, I'll say that for that strategy. But when you are out in the middle of the woods, um, mm-hmm. and and we know things happen in the woods, 
when you break the reality of someone who is invested very heavily in maintaining that reality in order to go through life, I can imagine that things would um, spiral for them quickly, which they certainly turns did out, in this case. Turns because, out they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes later, um, and this is the part of the movie where we get into the violence. Um, five minutes later, he Ben, ben Green got got. And I saw that coming from, from a few miles away, mm-hmm. you know, and there were a couple of times where I was like, okay, this, this character is going to get got in approximately five seconds. Um, did not expect the way in which he got got, though. That Can we discuss? That was so fucking Flying sad. puppets. Okay, because first of all, right. first of all, like, Corky's freaking out, and he's talking to Fats, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? Fats is like, you gotta stop him. You can't let him leave. And he's like, "I. what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to use? And Corky, or, and Fats is like, use me! me. My head. Me. Yeah, he literally me. goes, me, 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 me. He, like, repeats himself, and it's terrifying. And and oh, Corky takes it very literally. <laughs> he literally is beating poor the post poor poor postman to death. And also, this is a detail that is very important. As he is swinging Fats around, using him as a battering ram or a baseball bat or whatever, he's still ventriloquisting his voice, ah. having him be like ah! like as he hits poor <laughs> postman. It's so sad also the postman looks so scared and so sad oh yeah there's um they cut away for a moment and then you see Corky standing there and then you see um the postman's body on the floor and then you hear groaning and then it is slowly Mm. revealed that it is not the postman groaning it is Corky doing Fats' voice groaning yep. because Fats the puppet was injured in this bludgeoning. Um, and Corky had to take Fats the puppet back to his cabin and just like take off the bloody wig and then Ooh. bandage up the puppet. And then you know how everyone has a spare wig for their ventriloquist dummy. He just like whipped out his spare ventriloquist that makes dummy sense. wig. I mean, I'm no ventriloquist, but it feels right. Um, Just some spare body parts, maybe some extra human teeth rattling around, just in case. Um, Any ventriloquist knows this. mm -hmm. (laughs) You have to have a few wisdom teeth, a couple molars, you know, Mm -hmm. just like on hand in case shit goes south. Mm -hmm. But yeah, okay, the interesting thing actually about this attack is that it it doesn't even do the job. No. Yeah. Although alarmingly, um, okay, so movies always do that thing where it's like you got hit in the head and you're unconscious for six hours, but then you wake up and you're just a little dizzy. Maybe you have a concussion. No big deal. Um, totally survivable. The thing is, anytime that you get hit in the head and go unconscious, it's actually like a pretty huge deal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Some brain so in so brain, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. Corky on Fats's orders is like, what do I do now that I've killed this person? Oh, I guess I have to put his body in the lake. I don't know how Fats expects him to be able to swim to the middle of the lake. Um, and he just gotta do it. He has to he, get. He, he just has to be able in. to doggy paddle into the middle of mm-hmm. the lake with the dead weight of somebody else and also rocks to hold down that dead body mm-hmm. once it's in the water which is an incredible athletic feat um and was one of those moments where it's like am I supposed to believe that this is actually happening or is this also part of like Corky's warped sense of reality mm. um because there were a few moments when when I was like okay so 
either the doll is possessed or it's his idea of the doll, but also is the doll like taking over his body at some point? Like I thought maybe that was going to be one of the ways that the movie plan panned out where it's the like power of there's Merlin a was. Yes. <laughs> or well, not, not that exactly. Um, but Corky gets like a migraine at one point later in the movie. And it's revealed that like that's, can give migraines and he can take migraines away. Um, But when I saw that migraine, I thought it was going to be like him, you know how in movies and TV shows, it's always like, oh, they get a headache and then they kind of like their head goes limp for a second and then they pick it back up and they're having a dissociative identity episode. Mm -hmm. And now they're one of the other alters. Um, That's what I thought it was going to be and that it was going to be revealed that like Fats has been taking over the body as like the dominant personality Mm. um that is not the case although that I mean I guess you could make an argument for it as well Mm -hmm. um but it was it was one of those moments where I was gonna be like what's happening here exactly anyway the point is that um Corky drags the dead body to the middle of the lake at which point it's revealed that Ben Green is not dead Mm -hmm. um and then he has to kill him all over again um which just rough and drowning is a bad way to go Mm. I mean Second only to being bludgeoned to death with a dummy yeah. doll. So, yeah. really, two of the worst ways. <laughs> yeah, the and short stick, but he did drive a Rolls Royce, so mm-hmm. you know, live fast. He die young. he had he a good life. life. He outlived Tallulah something and, and the Bob death of Vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Tallulah Bankhead. Um, and I'll circle back to her later, and you'll find out why at that time. Um, but. He'd been through a lot, you know, he had, he, he, not to say that, um, it was his time cause it certainly wasn't, but nobody can say that Ben Green didn't live a good life. Um, that said, his wasn't the only death in the movie. We haven't even touched mm-hmm. on this other character at all yet. Um, but Peggy, the high school sweetheart, you know, she wasn't just like biding her time waiting for Corky. She got married to a man named Duke who looks just like Brad from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. Oh, <laughs> yes. That is Ew. Ew. How dare you? How dare you, you insult Brad in that way? <laughs> oh. Okay, but was that not ex- like 100% of Brad? outfit when he like shows up and he's got the beanie on and like a fisherman jacket he dressed like brad but facially i'm insulted yeah as someone facially well okay i thought this guy was hot until he was like hello i'm an abusive husband and then i was like i take it back um but up until that point i was like this guy is hot it wasn't until the the brad outfit scene that i was like oh um but i i don't think that they're far off looks wise Mm -hmm. personally you don't have to agree. That's fine if you don't, but... We'll do a side-by-side. Don't worry. Yeah! yeah. yeah. Do a My first Look, I run the Instagram, and I will just bias everybody and do a very leading question, and, and it's fine. until the death, until my opinion is heard. I'm on your uh, side, Bonnie. Thank you. My first note that I wrote down about, a du- about Duke was, oh, okay, Duke is not hot. <laughs> That's so sad! <laughs> the first thing that I wrote down he's so gross he looks gross he's acting gross he's got a great hat oh do you know what okay here's the thing now that I'm looking at my notes and to see what I wrote about Duke um the first thing I wrote about Duke was oh no Duke is here and he's watching and then Duke's gonna get got next 
And then a few notes later, I did say, oh, Duke is not that cute. But it's because, and I preface this in my following note, he's one of those guys who's like not quite ready to go bald. And so he's really holding on to the little tuft of hair on his head Mm -hmm. instead of just shaving it and allowing himself to be bald instead of balding. Um, And that is just, to any any man listening, obviously do what you want with your body. Um, And we love you and you're great regardless. But if you're considering shaving the four hairs that are clinging to your scalp, um, I say go for it because embrace it looks it better, better to just em- yeah embrace the bald um, and leave the balding behind. It's you, you know, you, everybody has to make their own judgment call of when one becomes the other. Um, for, for Duke, I would say he let it go a little too far. <laughs> Here at Spooky Tuesday, we want to uplift you as a man with male pattern baldness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bald men can be very sexy. No, I just think so it's true. much sexier to be I have two be, bald friends, and they're bald. both really sexy. And I tell them all the time. But, okay, all of that to say is that Duke is not hot at all mm-hmm. in any way and has nothing to do with his hair. Um, and moving on, <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, right after we, we meet, we know that Duke comes home. We get one of my favorite quotes from Corky, which is, very sweet, even though you know that he just murdered a man with a puppet in cold blood and then drowned him right after, just just hours before. But he does say this very cute quote that I like to Peggy. He says, I'd like to say that going to bed with you is maybe the best three things that oh. ever happened to me. And I'd love some coffee. And I adore you. And I take it with cream and sugar. And your breasts belong in the Louvre, which is a museum in Paris that I plan on visiting with you once we, you get wise and decide to leave that old ear blower. I know. I, love I that. Romance. Impeccable. Romance. Um, incredible. <laughs> declaration of love I especially love it's the best three things I've ever done implying what an incredible role in the hay it was um because we saw it (laughs) impeccable the kissing the finger placement while they were kissing I kind of closed my eyes (laughs) to to be honest like has her fingers (laughs) in his mouth while they're making out The kissing okay. was an interesting. They used an interesting tactic I had not yet seen in my life, and it was educational. And then I closed my eyes for the rest of it. <laughs> but I think it is important that we talk about how much depth his character has. How we can go from one scene yeah. where he's literally murdering someone to then us being like, "Oh my god, he's so cute and romantic." Look at his little sweater. <laughs> He's so versatile. Change. <laughs> Again, I think this is one of Anthony Hopkins' like best yes. acting performance because it's so good. I felt sad for him. I too. also think me too. Yeah. And Margaret did an amazing job. Um, someone in IMDb trivia was like, she always gets overlooked in this movie, but she did great. And I would also like to mm-hmm. put some shine on her um I thought every line was delivered with aplomb and I just thought she was really wonderful but also in that sex scene specifically afterwards she talks about like how Duke sucks in bed um which is sad but she also is just like so funny throughout the whole movie and in that scene in particular she talks about how she accidentally tricked him into thinking like blowing in her ear just like the ultimate sexual move 
and now she just like has to put up with it for the rest of her <laughs> life um one of those things where it's like you faked it early on and now you're just stuck because otherwise you have to admit that you faked it and ladies and never fake it they'll never improve She's very concerned with Duke's pride in this film, which also becomes a plot point later on and explains why he's not ready to accept that he's bald. Um, I, yeah. It's all connected. This is a well-written movie, mm-hmm. Rebecca. Don't laugh. It is. Um, but, okay. but I think she she's wonderful. Everybody's performance is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so the next few the next bit of this movie is incredibly horribly awkward because mm. you just everybody knows they boned except for Duke but Duke pretty much knows that they boned and it's just real uncomfy and it's very um, suspicious. You find out real quick that Duke is a a angry abusive man as well. Jealous, jealous. Yeah. Um and so you hate him right away and then one of the most stressful things that I've ever seen in my entire life happens in uh, Duke making Corky go fishing with him, which, like, can you imagine going fishing? Oh, my God. Just that scenario on its own without the added factor of the fact that they're fishing in a lake where there's a dead body at the bottom Mm -hmm. that Corky just killed. Like, oh, my God. The scene where Duke is, like, trying to reel up the fishing line, and it's like... Mm -hmm. It's he's like, wow, this is a big fish. Oh, this is stuck on something. And you see Corky like with the like the, the oar. row or and he's like getting ready to hit him. And it's a log. <laughs> it is a stick. The water is so muddy. The anticipation in that scene is just incredible because you can't see anything. No. And you're trying so hard to make your little peepers identify what's in the water and then one second later you're like oh it's just a log wait there's the body on the shore that's the funniest Uh, part of the movie to me when like i was so anxious and i was like oh thank god he didn't have to kill him right then and then like you see the dead body in the background first i'm like fucking hell what's that is that a dead body over there (laughs) here's the thing though is i was not sure at first watching this movie like was Corky trying to frame Duke? Because That's I really cool. thought it was going do. that way for a second. Yeah, he was same. like, hey, we stumbled upon this white Rolls Royce. Duke, why don't you be the one mm. to move the car? Duke, why don't you yeah, touch cool. this That's dead body and drag thinking. it out of the water? Mm. Like, I thought for sure he was just going to be like, frame Jeff for murder. I gotcha. Um, and now I'm going to run away with your wife. But instead, I mean, I guess you could say i mean it seems like um corky maybe just seized the moment and it worked out really well for him which is to say that duke told him to go to the house and call the police and then wait at the house and then realizing poor postman was dead um duke was like well i will take this opportunity to snoop around corky's cabin um and then corky was like Gotcha, I'm in here too. Surprise. Um, I will say, that was the scene also when I was like, is this puppet alive? And Mm -hmm. I rewound it like five times to be like, what's happening here? Whose hand is involved? It is the puppet's hand that is holding a knife, and that hand is what reaches forward and stabs Duke. Mm -hmm. And slits his throat. This slits his throat. 
it that one was kind of weird because it was like there was some clear momentum at some moments and then other times it was like is duke just falling on the knife now duke <laughs> is just like he's yeah. he's given up pretty quickly and now he's just like oh no i my what's it called in your neck not your femoral Karate. artery because that's your thigh thank you mm-hmm. um my carotid artery slipped and fell onto this switchblade <laughs> yeah um yeah, I just but. feel like that I was so excited in that moment because I was like, finally, the doll's going to be possessed and this isn't going to be a poorly handled movie about mental health where I'm sad at the end. It's going to be about a demon doll. No, mm. no. no, still no, because here's a freaking curtain and he was behind the curtain moving it all the whole time but the moment when you don't know right at the beginning before the stabbing occurs when you see his eyes move from across the cabin Mm -hmm. in the mirror so good because i wrote in my notes i was watching so hard the whole time to be like is the puppet gonna move when nobody's there finally it did and then i was like man like corey's there the whole time I i was so bummed also, we're like, yes, this laugh. is it. No, no, laugh- it's not. <laughs> yeah, I laughed really hard when when Fats whipped out a little switchblade. <laughs> a doll, doll sized knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also l- just love. I know that he was very stressed out, so it would make a little bit of sense. But Anthony Hopkins is just absolutely doused in sweat after oh that moment. God. There are various times throughout the movie he is just yes. very sweaty. In the beginning yeah. when he's bombing yeah. on stage and then he yells at everyone and he's like, this is hard. I just gave you a thousand hours of my life and one trick that you ignored. And then when he's yelling at Peg because she didn't concentrate hard enough mm-hmm. for the telepathy trick, he he gets all sweaty and he yells. And then he's sweaty at that moment too. And I was just like, all right, well, um, this is a man whose body is just not... Not not doing so hot on a lot of different levels now, you know. Um, and unfortunately, he's a nervous he, purvis. He's got a lot going yeah. on. Yeah, nervous purvis. It's a phrase. I've never heard that one before. Well, I'd never heard I hit don't... me in the giggle dick. So we all learned something new. <laughs> we are an edu- educational podcast. Here here we are today. an educational podcast. <laughs> We want to educate you on some SAT words you might have missed. SAT words and phrases. Yeah, I mean, he also gets super sweaty near the end of the movie Mm -hmm. um, when he really is just at his rope's end. It's after Duke is gone. um, It's after Ben Green is gone. And the plot point that I mentioned earlier about Duke's pride, um, it means that Peg is refusing to run away with Quirky until she can tell Duke what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that is not on the table considering that Duke is at the bottom of the lake. He is dead. He is dead. Which, which, you know, means that um, they've got an awkward exit here because Peg's not going to go. But Quirky is like, well, we got to go. And he keeps trying to push it until eventually... They just like are at each other's throat, um, which leads to a moment where where you know they've kind of made this deal. Peg is gonna leave Duke behind, and Corky is gonna leave Fats behind, and I guess they'll go to the Louvre, just the two of them. But but while Corky's all for this this plan, um, Fats not so much, mm-hmm. and it leads to this like really intense 
scene between Corky and Fats. Um, but also this intense scene with Peg there where where Fats is like, you're trying to leave me behind? Guess what? I have a way to to bring this three-person little group to back down to two again. Might not be the way that you think it is. Um, and I'm going to push Peg right out. And he... This is when he reveals the secret of the telepathy card trick. Yeah. Which I don't understand how, how it works, and I don't understand how card tricks work, so there's not time in the podcast for me to learn. But I, I was going to go back and rewatch that scene and be like, does that make sense, what he said? Um, but then I forgot, I was and just I didn't do the whole that. time. That whole last yeah. part of the movie was, wow, a lot going on. Basically, Flats is like, Peg, you got played. He was just trying to plan your emotions, and he wants you to think that you guys got this te- telepathic love, love connection. connection. It's a sham. It's a sham. You rubbed your face on his hand. You shouldn't have. It was all a lie. <laughs> I wrote it down, though, because it's actually so mean. Um, because Fats is talking, and he says, Hey, I got just the thing, Peg. Bring me a couple of decks of cards, and I'll read your mind. And Peg is like, what do you mean? Because there had been a line earlier in the movie where where Corky doesn't do tricks. He does magic or whatever. And Fats is like, I can only do tricks. And she's like, so how are you going to do this thing that is clearly magic if you can only do tricks? She says, that's not a trick. You can't do that. And he says, sure. You just peek at the bottom card after shuffling and it's easy as apple pie. Corky makes a big deal production number of it sometimes. Like when he's got some bimbo stewardess he wants to screw. He makes them think their minds have touched. Never fails. You'll never know how many people want to believe in magic. And she goes, oh, shit. Which is just like (laughs) such a killer line. Because 100% like that is the emotion where you're just like, ah, fuck. This is like I'm just fucking through my... A loveless, abusive relationship thought that she had her knight in shining armor and turns out not the case. I mean, it's, it's, it is not the case. Not for that reason, yes, um, yes. but for <laughs> other reasons, as it turns out, like he murdered your husband. Um, and he is um, also believes part of him is a doll. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's that too. But, but after that oh shit moment, she runs off back to her house and is like, don't speak to me, essentially. And we get this moment where Fats is like, you thought you were going to leave me behind? Like, guess what, buddy? I'm running the show. And he has this other incredible speech um, that I also wrote down, but it is unhinged. I'm not going to be able to do it justice. But what he says is, listen, I took a failure with the charm of Tricky Dicky Nixon. I made a skyrocket. <laughs> It's not going to be you and her. It's going to stay you and me, except from now on, even that's changed. It's me and you. And there's some back and forth in this moment, but eventually it gets to the point where Fats goes, what are you yawning for? Gotta wake you up. Crawl around. That should help. Mm. Say thank you, Fats, with feeling like I'm doing. Gee, you've got talent after all. Let's see what else you can do. Fats says smile. Fats says frown. Fats says touch the ceiling. Fats says spin around. Fats says get a knife. And you're just like, whoa! And then he goes and he gets the knife. Who's the dummy now? 
there's this moment where like that tension is building as that speech gets more and more intense and then it breaks at fat says get a knife and you think like okay he like that's too far quirky is is taking a second he's he's realizing what's happening things have spun out of control but then he's like nope went and got the knife now what boss like that just shows like how far things have gotten in this movie question and that's also sorry go ahead not to interrupt but did anyone think that it felt especially in this moment that maybe his relationship with fats is like a metaphor for a substance use disorder and being dependent on a substance that you will do things that you wouldn't do otherwise to please it or or to get that substance I didn't, but now that you're saying that, that also makes a lot of sense in terms of um, d- coping with fame and exactly. being a performer mm-hmm. and and performance enhancement, and se- et cetera, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Um, not to be like a little Degrassi, it goes there, queen, but it does it does make me think of like Craig having his like meltdown on stage yeah. with his coke addiction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those... It, it so easily could be that where it's like he's shy, he doesn't know to how how to have stage presence. Mm-hmm. He adopts this other habit that helps him be a performer. A um, for some people, it's drugs. For him, it's a puppet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he becomes so reliant on the fact, and then it's like obviously addiction spirals out of control. Um, wow, Rebecca, look at you. She's a genius. What a, what a professional. Meanwhile, contributing so nicely to the podcast. What a good perspective. Meanwhile, me with my communications major brain was like, the doll was in charge the whole time. That's the twist. And then I was like, ah, fuck. That wasn't a twist. I just really wanted it to be a possessed doll. Yeah. I really wanted it to I be know. a possessed doll. I really wanted it to be Merlin Jr. Jr. Merlin, I really, Jr. I really thought it was Merlin Jr. Jr. I really did. Should have been. Should we talk about the very last bit, which is just so heartbreaking, so terrible. Yeah. Honestly, soul destroying is the so thing. So terrible. I mean, the f- so sad. The fact that you know, one, he's so turned around at this point that he's about to go kill Pegs, his one true love, his high school sweetheart. Um, and he's, the, the moment with him, like, waiting on the other side of the door, and Pegs is, is, I I don't even know how to describe it. Someone else should do it. I can't do it. It's too emotional. I'm gonna cry just talking about it. It's like, Corky goes to try, I mean, at that point, it's after the grab the knife, Mm -hmm. um, and Fats has been like, well, we're gonna have to make this a permanent arrangement, which means no, no takesy-backsies, um, you gotta go kill Peg. And so he goes, but but Corky can't lure Peg out. Once again, Corky doesn't know how to have that charm, have that presence. So he falls back on Fats to try and lure her out. He leaves a carved wooden heart for her at the door as bait because there'd been a moment earlier in the movie where he was like, I made this carved wooden heart for you when you moved away in high school, but I didn't get the chance to give it to you. Um, And so it's like this full circle moment, this demonstration of love, which is the only thing that could possibly hook her back in after Fats revealed that he had scammed her, essentially. Um, and just like played her like a bimbo stewardess, but he's, he's using it as bait and he's waiting there with the knife and then 
you you really don't know what happens until it cuts to him in his cabin dropping the knife and the knife is bloody and you're like oh my god did he kill her and it is slowly Mm. revealed that he couldn't do it and instead the knife is bloody because he stabbed himself Mm -hmm. and it's only revealed when fats goes I don't know how to say this since I haven't got a stomach, but my stomach hoits. And he says hoits because he talks like that the whole movie. Um, He's got this funny little accent where he's like, my stomach hoits. Um, And that's when you go like, oh, no. Like, what's what's happening here? Um, And they've got this, like, just incredibly sad exchange where they're like, well, we're dying. The two of us together um and Fats is like I don't want to be alone and and Corky is like well I'll crawl over on the ground to be next to you my my little puppet um and Fats is like I don't want to go first and and Corky's like I guess we'll go together um, oh that was gut-wrenching so sad. yeah that's so the, sad that's the end of the movie <laughs> no almost but, almost what? but i do want to b- before we say the last like few oh, seconds that's i just want to read the end of the movie but that's the end of corky <laughs> in the movie <laughs> Um, I do want to read part of that speech, too, because I wrote it down because the, the dialogue in this movie is so good. Mm-hmm. The script is so good. Um, but after Fat says, put me flat, um, Fat says, why didn't you leave? Go with her when you had the chance. Sorry, I'm not going to keep doing the voice because I only know how to do it for Hoyt. <laughs> um But Corky says, she'd never have gone with me. She'd have turned me down. I couldn't even get her to open the door by myself. It was never me. Always us. And Fats goes, schmucko, us was you. And Corky's like, what? And Fats says, it was you all the time. I hope I don't die first is all. And it's just like that moment of Fats reaffirming, like, Corky, you have always been talented like you have always been capable like I'm I'm here but I'm you and it's not that you needed this like outside thing to be able to be on stage and to be able to entertain and to be able to talk to the people around you and to be able to find people in your life who care about you instead of being alone which is really where this all comes from you know what I mean like we saw in the movie and we didn't mention this but his dad died when he was young and I guess we're just I don't know why he fell out with his mom and brother who also exist in that scene and then never again. Um, but he's alone, presumably, until he has Merlin Jr., who who I think it's implied steps in as a father figure. And then when Merlin Jr. dies, he's alone again until he creates somebody to be in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just so sad. I know. It's heart-wrenching. And, the, but, and then they're like, we're together in the end, but also we're the same person, so we're still alone. <laughs> yeah. This is... But see, they're not... This is They're not what, alone. This is what I wasn't expecting from this movie. I was yes. like, I'm going to have a fun time. This is going to be a wonderful Monday night. No. <laughs> it's no. magic. No. <laughs> No, very sad. And then the last moment is just utter agony. Like Pegs runs out of the house and runs up to the the little boathouse. And she's like, I changed my mind. Let's go. Let's run away together. And then does she do like a Fats voice? Is that what happens in the end? Yes. Yes. Like she does her own little 
it hoits impression. But she doesn't say it hoits. She says something that makes sense in the moment. I don't know what it is. And I was like, disturbing. And then that is the end. (laughs) The end. Which, like, on some level, I love because the ending shot is she, like, throws the wooden heart up in the air um, as, like, a joyous celebration of the love. She's like, you got me back. It worked. I'm here to be with you. And you don't have to see her discover what is inside of the cabin, thank God. And you also don't have to see her slowly discover at some other point that Corky has killed two other people and put them in the lake, um, which would be rough. Um, And you know what happens. It's it happens. Yeah. In some level you get that that moment of joy that's like Corky was loved um and somebody cared about him, but also it is completely bittersweet because it's too late. Yeah. Oh. But I loved that that was the last shot. I loved that that was where the movie ended. I thought that was incredible and heartbreaking and moving and a true um, gut punch. Yeah, one second before would have been sad, but not to to as powerful as this was. Mm-hmm. And a few moments after would have been way too gut wrenching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I thought this moment was so perfect. Agreed. Same. <laughs> so I mean, I guess we have to move into our our normal segments here. And I just don't feel any passion towards any of them with this movie as much as I usually do like how could have how could this movie be gayer like how um facts is gay okay well (laughs) yes that's true (laughs) I feel on some level that all puppets are inherently gay it's true um but I also feel that Fats in particular um, was making a lot of pervy jokes and I think it could be in that way um where like hyper masculinity because he's insecure yeah. about his sexuality. But there's another way that this movie actually throws a bisexual icon into the mix other than Fats being gay, which is, and I mentioned it earlier, I said we were going to circle back to Tallulah Bankhead, who mm. Ben Green, Mr. Postman, says he outlived. Um and Tallulah Bankhead, I was like, who is that? And so I looked up her Wikipedia, don't know, didn't read the whole thing. Maybe there were other scandals. Um, but it does say she was openly bisexual, having had a series of relationships with both men and women. And I love that for this movie. And I love that for her. And it also says she smoked around 120 cigarettes per day, which is insane. <laughs> Per day. So truly she was a legend in a lot of different ways, (laughs) you know? Um, I also feel like the postman himself is a gay icon. That fedora really, the the roles, all of the eccentricities, like he's got it going on. Do you think he maybe has, like, I know he has a deep friendship love for him, but do you think maybe it's more? And that's why he went out of his way to go into the forest mm. to find him to check hmm. in because maybe mm. there's something there. Mm. Is it money? No. Is it his client? <laughs> or I would hate or that. Or is he just an agent that wants his money? I feel like her. he's just I, really I good. I think he's at maybe a job. father figure. Yeah. 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 I think father, father figure feels better for me in this. I love to make things gay. This specific relationship, no thank you, Rebecca. Valid. Valid. I, think, <laughs> I think that he is a lovely gay father figure for Corky. And if only they had had more time. To- or like a 
like a gay uncle, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. A gunkle. We love a, a gunkle. A fun gay uncle. Um, But yeah, other than that, not a lot of room for this movie to, to be more gay. No, definitely not. But, I mean, it's very easy to place Matthew Lillard as Fats himself. Um, I oh. just... <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Um, I did look it up, and I also had that idea because Matthew Lillard was roughly eight at the time this movie came That's out, which crazy. means he was younger. Yeah, he was born in, like, 1970. Um, and so he was younger when they were filming, which means he probably was roughly puppet-sized. <laughs> It was a big puppet. The scenes where their heads were next to each other. (gasps) Okay, there is that one shot that I was going to bring up earlier and then I forgot. But there was one shot where um, it like pans from the puppet's Mm -hmm. head so that their heads line up perfectly, demonstrating once again, they are one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it was a beautiful shot, but also it showed how enormous the puppet's head is. Like a small child, perhaps the size of Matthew Lillard's head at the time. Perhaps. We don't know. Perhaps. We can't confirm or deny. Okay, I, I get I would that. love to see eight-year-old Matthew Lillard as, as a puppet. puppet. I as a scary am on puppet. Board. I think that'd be oh, fun. He would be perfect with that. He would be what he's got the unhinged energy, and I'm sure child him had that down pat too. Mm-hmm. But Chelsea, what is this idea that uh-huh. you have that children's heads are larger than adults' heads? <laughs> well, it wasn't because it was um, – he was closer to the camera. Perspective. Mm. Ah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Forced yes. perspective. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> the only other place that I could think to put him was as the taxi driver. <gasps> I mm. loved uh... the taxi driver. I thought he was cute. He was the cutest person in the movie. He was, I think, um, I could be misunderstanding an IMDb trivia moment, but I think he was the ventriloquist that was brought into the movie to teach Anthony Hopkins how to be a ventriloquist. Because there's, I mean, it's confusing, but there's like a whole IMDb trivia entry about how originally they were going to cast a ventriloquist to be the star in this movie, and then when a different director was brought on, he was like, no, Jack Nicholson is going to play the part. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't end up happening. Um, and, and whoever the next person was on had worked. Um, his name is like Rob. What's his name? I'm not going to say it because I'm going to be wrong. Something Attenborough, perhaps Richard. No, that's the director. Yes. That's who I'm oh, talking yeah. about. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Richard Attenborough had worked with Anthony Hopkins, like a, a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it said something like, his past three movies consecutively had all had Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so it was one of those things where it's like this this poor ventriloquist guy had his shot and then missed it. Um, but they're like, you can still be in the movie um, as the taxi driver and you can still like coach Anthony Hopkins. And that's still a pretty sweet gig. You yeah. know what I mean? Nothing to scoff at. Um, and another person who almost was in this movie and wasn't was um, – Gene, Gene Wilder, Wilder. yeah, yes. cool. who would have been, been epic, incredible. But then they decided the producer Joseph E. Levine um, decided that they didn't want to have a comedian, so that this would be clearly a serious movie. Yeah. And Gene Wilder later on was like, "I think it should have been a comedian," um, which is <laughs> yeah. which is very funny for Gene Wilder, um, who missed out. Also, sorry for him, but Anthony Hopkins was great. Um, but that said. 
if we are playing with um, space and time mm-hmm. in terms of casting Matthew Lillard, I also think he could have been Merlin Jr. You know what I mean? Like oh. if we just fast forward oh. a little, see where Matthew Lillard goes in the future, who knows? He could play Merlin Jr. <laughs> I don't want to think about us all being old enough that Matthew Lillard is that old, but also, yes, put him in some aging makeup. That's yeah. That's all he needs. Just get him some – Big giant prosthetic eyebrows, eyebrows and he's eyebrows. good to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that said, we've only got one segment mm-hmm. left, um, and and this is the one where I really don't feel passionate about yeah. any suggestions, because um, that segment is our dumb bitch award. And while certainly some people were dumb at points in this movie, it is it like. For the most part, everyone is trying to do their best. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The only person I can even think to suggest is Duke, who is an abusive person, so he sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's dumb bitch behavior, even if he's not, like, stupid necessarily. Um, And then maybe the cab driver who Corky pays 200 bucks not to rat him out, and then he immediately rats him out. But also I feel like girl boss scam queen like get your yeah. money girl you get know what i mean come on he gave him so all he's not the a informa- information necessary to get scammed so there you go frankly yeah <laughs> he set that right i'm up. down with the taxi driver being the hottie dumb bitch of said movie he's that plays out for me <laughs> he's um the anti-dumb bitch frankly mm. because he's like i will take your 200 dollars and then i will go and i will get more oh, hundreds of dollars from somebody else and also now i have the opportunity to introduce myself to this agency when he said he's a little singer he said um he's like i know i'll make them all cream which i really didn't like oh. um it did make me a little yeah. bit turn on him but also, um, maybe he really is that good of a singer. And and just maybe he really will have the opportunity to move out of where he lives with his four brothers or whatever he said. <laughs> so, you know, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I, I don't think that he's the dumb bitch. I'm with you on Duke being the dumb bitch here. Yeah. But again, it's a soft dumb bitch. I mean, I'm not, I'm not screaming about it. This is no Blair Witch situation. Okay, so it's time. It's time for our knives out of fives. Mm-hmm. We got to rate this thing. So... I mean, I know you're the special guest, Rebecca, so you might be coming up first if you want to be. But I'm... first, Chelsea, got to set the scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. Here is your background information to inform your rating. Um. This movie has a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. On Rotten Tomatoes, it got 83% fresh from critics, which is pretty good. And then it got a lower 64% fresh from audiences which, you know, is not as impressive, but still still pretty good compared to some of the other movies we've done. This movie also won an award for the Best Motion Picture at the Edgar Allan Poe Awards, which sounds spooky. <laughs> um, and and our, our beloved Mr. Postman won a Best Supporting Actor Award at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror cool. Films Awards. Good for him. Um, it was also nominated for a Golden Globe for Anthony Hopkins. So it did get some acclaim, even though it seems to have disappeared from our pop culture knowledge for the most part, which is wild because Anthony Hopkins obviously is in one of the most famous scary movies of all time. You'd think his other scary movies would get a little more shine. This one seems to have kind of 
fallen through the cracks. Maybe we're doing our part to help bring it back into the justice spotlight. Justice for magic. Um, justice for magic. That said, will it be reflected in our ratings? Mm. Um, is there anyone, Rebecca, do you want to go first? Do you want to be buried in the middle? Ooh. You can't go last, I don't think. I'm happy to go first. Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid four out of five knives. Damn, that's Ooh, a good, okay. That's a good, why? <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was a little bit slow to start, but then after finishing the entire thing, I think that slow build and the development of his character, um, you know, setting the scene of his emotional instability in the beginning and building it up, um, I think it was worth it. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think he was incredible in it. Um, it was heartwarming at moments. It was frightening at other moments um I, I really really liked it solid four out of five nice she's generous i also give it a four out of five. Ooh, oh. good i loved this movie like i the acting was so good like this is a movie that i will re-watch again i had a really good time with it yeah, I mean, for me, I think um, it it skipped a lot of the timeline of the like chronology of yeah. this movie, and that made it a little hard to follow for me at times. Just trying to play catch up. Um, usually, they would give me the information that I needed after a couple of minutes. They would be like, "Oh, I saw you on Carson," so I'd be like, "Okay, so it's been long enough that he's been on all of these TV shows and stuff at this point." Like. They gave me the information, just not necessarily right when I wanted it. Um, and so I don't think there are any like major issues with it in that point. My my main complaint, other than I was I was running to keep up on some levels, is the treatment of the mental health in this movie, um, which again, it was the 70s. Um, so to some degree, it gets a little bit of a pass from me. But also, I wish that we would stop doing this. Um, and and so I don't want to give it too much higher than a four. Um, but I also think it was so good that I'm I'm going to be just that much more and give it like a 4.2 mm-hmm. knives out of fives. Nice. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think my expectations were very different than what the movie turned out to be and that's not to say that it was a bad movie like like all of you said I think it was a great movie obviously an insane performance by Anthony Hopkins I can't believe he became a ventriloquist for this like yes and I also wild I I looked up if somebody else was doing the fats voice because on some level I was like it's so different, but it's him, well, and he gets him. billed gets twice credit. in the credits. Twice, it's it's him. Like it's Anthony Hopkins doing that. So like, I have mad respect for him. Mm-hmm. I already did, but now I know that he's been young, and that was exciting to learn. <laughs> and I, and and he's an active ventriloquist. I hope that he still does that from time to time. Not with that dummy. With a dummy that has fake teeth, wooden teeth, not human teeth. Um, but it was so sad it was so sad like I I usually come to horror films like to get scared 
or to laugh because a lot of times they're bad and that's funny for me but this movie was like <laughs> it was scary the deaths were sad scary not funny fun scary uh except for dukes dukes was kind of a little bit funny um so i just felt horrible at the end but like that said like it was still a really 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 good movie so i'm gonna give it a 3.999 repeating because i felt like a trash can after i watched it but that's not the Mm -hmm. movie's fault they wanted me to feel that way but they did a good job doing it so you know i can't really complain (laughs) but it hurt your feelings a little bit and i respect that and i felt (laughs) empty inside at the end My little wooden heart broke. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Um, but anyway, I mean, that that ties up us up into a pretty little bow for, for Magic 1978. <laughs> Rebecca, it's been such a, a beautiful journey to have you here, our oh number gosh. one fan on the pod. The Schmidt Orber Jägermann Jensen of Spooky Tuesday. <laughs> uh, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I... I, my life has been made. Thank you. I I will say um, I'm glad you're not joining us next week because next week we are doing a movie that we have watched with our spooky crew in the past. Um, and it's gonna get tense and it's gonna get divisive mm. in here because I do not agree with Monica and Sydney um, on whether or not this movie is good. I guess we'll see. Once I know I, what to expect and I'm watching it again, we'll see if my, my okay. opinion has changed. Good. But I know Rebecca agrees with you guys and so I really don't need to be arguing with three people. Um, I think the two of you is going to be plenty. I'm already we'll angry how that you're introducing the movie yeah. because you have no right to introduce the movie. <laughs> well, because- I was just about to say, would you like to yeah. introduce Okay. the movie. <laughs> there we go. We are doing an instant classic, a movie that deserves awards upon awards, Oscars maybe. I'm going to tone it down a little bit. This is hyperbolic. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what year it came out, but we are doing The Boy next week. And this is our final movie of Doll Month, y'all. So this is... The- We're ending with a bang. Yeah, this is the we finale of Doll Month. And like, Yes, it is divisive, but isn't that fun? And yes, you you won't. <laughs> I promise you, at the end of this movie, you're not going to feel like a trash can. I don't know how you'll feel, but trash can won't be one of the feelings that you feel. Okay, you'll feel joy throughout. I would say, um, not not trash can in the same way, at least. No, I, not sad. Someone trash who's on can. the opposite side of this movie, I can guarantee you, if you feel like a trash can, it'll be in a totally new way, a and new isn't way. that? fun to explore you'll feel feelings you've never felt before with the boy that's probably true that's probably true yeah it'll be eye-opening so please join us next week and in the meantime why don't you know why don't you take the moment to write us a five-star review and compliment rebecca on her guest starring this is a great opportunity to give rebecca five out of five knives um on apple Podcasts. so do that also, please give us a follow on all of our social medias at Spooky underscore Tuesday. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok with that. Bye, Spooky. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff and edited by Sydney Thompson. 
Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore OMG. Oh, let's see what else you can do. Fetch his smile. Fetch his frown. Fetch his touch the ceiling. Fetch his spin around. <laughs>